now. So we're going to go to God's Word. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. If you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read for you uh, the first 11 verses. That was one of my best intros ever. When I started talking about that nightclub, some of you just looked awesome when you were thinking about that. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need uh, to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. You are not of the night or of the darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for the helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. God, we ask your blessing on your word. We ask that uh, you would stir in our hearts. Help us think clearly about these things. Help us think clearly about today in light of the fact that you will return. God, thank you for being in charge of history, that you know the beginning from the end, uh, and it's happening all according uh, to your timetable. We're grateful that we can trust you, and we pray in your Son's name. Amen. You may be seated. A couple weeks ago, we were in chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we looked at uh, an important passage that uh, what happens when the Lord comes back for His church. Uh, that time of, uh, some have termed it the rapture, the, the idea that he snatches his church, those believers, from the earth, and he connects those ones that, that return that have preceded in death and, and trying to sort out those who have died in faith, those who are alive in faith down here on this earth. What happens at that time? And Paul assures the Thessalonian church that it really doesn't matter whether you are alive at that time or dead at that time, that we will always be with the Lord together. What a great thing that is, that we are caught up together and that we will be with Him forever. And then he goes on in the passage that we are going to look at this morning, and he wants to talk about uh, the day of the Lord. And so if you can think about it in terms like this, that this time where he returns for his, those who are his begins this time considered the day of the Lord. Uh, it's an Old Testament reference of the jumping into history of the Lord. Um, 
it's interesting as we look at uh, the day of the Lord, it will seem like uh, an interruption. It'll seem like an interruption. If you would look at uh, um, the book of Exodus, uh, we're not going to turn there today, but it's interesting. Uh, it, the first couple of chapters describe how awful things have gotten for God's people. It, it just, uh, it's just a mess. They're in captivity. It seems like God's not caring about them. It seems like things are desperate and there's no hope. And then it says that the Lord remembered his people. Um, and some of you say, well, he remembered. <laughs> Did he forget before that? No, it, it, it seemed like he had forgotten, but he had not. And so he begins to act in history uh, so that they might see. And so for us here this morning, I want to tell you that that day of the Lord will seem like an interruption to history. Things are going along. Things are going along right now, right? Uh, we're in a certain place in history. And uh, what's going to happen next? You, do you know? <laughs> Who's going to be the next president? And when will that be? Will it be in a month? <laughs> will it be in six, seven years? I don't, I don't know. Like, when, when's it going to happen? What, what's the next thing? What, uh, it, what's the weather going to be like next week? It's supposed to be super hot. Super hot next week. Like Bakersfield-type hot in Tehachapi, which causes Tehachapi people to be grouchy. And, and Bakersfield people feel vindicated. Um, but, uh, you, you know, what's going to happen in the future? But we kind of go along in seasons and times, and, and we kind of go along like this. But we don't know what's going to happen. And, and we kind of feel like we know generally what's going to happen. I want to tell you this will be an interruption of history, but it's only the working out of the plan of God. That's all it is. That God looks at his program. In fact, what we're looking at this morning is God communicating through Paul to this newer Thessalonican church. He's communicating to them something important about his plan. This is what's going to happen. This is what you should be confident of. He's told them to be confident and to know that they will be with them, whether, uh, whether they are alive at His coming or dead at His coming. Don't worry about it. You'll be with me forever. And now, uh, He wants to give them another piece of that end time uh, program. His plan being worked out. And I'll just say it this way. My first point this morning, uh, I've titled it, The Obvious and Imminent Return of Christ. And, and in his return, it's not the beginning, but it's what's going to happen when he comes. What's going to be all that he pours out? What, what is this beginning, if you will? What, what is going to happen? And it's not so much the details, but uh, how he comes. And uh, we'll look at it. First of all, times and seasons. Times and seasons. Verse 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Now concerning times and seasons, brothers... Uh, you have no need to have anything written to you. Apparently, and he said this a couple of times in uh, this first letter to the church, he says, uh, we've already talked about this, remember? Uh, and now he's telling it again. But he, but he refers to uh, events of history as times and seasons, that things will change. Uh, we take great comfort in that this time of year, that seasons change, right? 
that things will change. And uh, we realize that uh, if it's hot this week, eventually it will change. But, but the picture of history is that history will not stay stagnant either, that it will change. And he says, uh, I don't need to write to you anything. You know about this, but I'm going to give you some of the details. Verse 2, he says, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. Um, really, a day belonging to the Lord. A day belonging to the Lord. Um, as you think about history today uh, and what's going on, as you watch the news, and even as you see in your household, your family, and in our city, uh, the Lord is not getting His place. Uh, we fumble with that. We struggle with that in our homes, but also in our communities, right? There, there's not an acknowledgement that Christ is King. And so there, there's a sense in history right now where that's happening. That's happening, that Christ is not getting His due. Now, as He comes, day of the Lord, He will get. Uh, this day will belong to Him. This is the time where the Lord will intervene in history and bring His enemies to justice and set up His kingdom. And that's really the two pieces of the day of the Lord that you need to see. Bringing about His justice and beginning uh, His kingdom, His kingdom reign. And and when I say kingdom, I'm not talking uh, the beginning of Him exercising His king leadership, okay? Um, Justice. And really today, uh, this passage speaks almost primarily about His justice, His justice. I want to tell you this, and we'll see it later, but... uh, Sometimes, uh, I don't know, I don't know why we do this, but our, our world, we struggle. Uh, we struggle with thinking about how to, how to think about events. Uh, you've uh, seen in the news these last few weeks, undoubtedly, uh, you've seen wickedness of men, uh, white supremacists as well as others who have, uh, there, there, there's this idea that we're the best or we're the best and you're the worst and I'm the best. Like, and, and it's not just saying these things, but it's acting out. It's seeking to hurt one another. And, and as we see things like that, we, we want to ask the question uh, that the great uh, philosopher Rodney King asked, um, why can't we all just get along? You know, like, like there's some kind of let's just all be nice to each other and we can live in a nice world. The problem with that is that uh, the sin that is in the world is in people, is in people. It's in you and in I. And our first idea, I think I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, that some of, some of us have got this idea that, that hate is learned. I want to tell you, that's not true. That's not true. Hate is developed, (laughs) right? Uh, We get better at it if we allow ourselves, but I want to tell you, it's there already. It's there already. And so uh, if it's there already and it's developed there, you know, as the Lord comes, I, I want to tell you that as He looks upon the sins of this world and the sinners of this world, He's angry. He is angry. 
And when I say he is angry, he is holding back his anger until he draws who he, he draws those who are his own, draws them out, causes them to come. And as they come and as the time, the, his anger will be unleashed. And that's what this passage is about here this morning. The anger of the Lord. The day of the Lord where he intervenes in history, bringing his enemies to justice. Well, how will this happen? Uh, he gives us, he says it twice. He says, like a thief, like a thief. Uh, if, if you've been robbed, uh, chances are it happened at night. It happened at night. Uh, I know many people who have had uh, their cars broken into at night. Why? Um, because it's dark. People can't see. They're assuming you're sleeping. They're assuming you're sleeping. And they can get away and you can't find them. And so he describes, he says, uh, the return, the day of the Lord will happen like what? Like a thief in the night. <coughs> I want to tell you that you don't get a phone call two weeks in advance. Hey, we've made an appointment for you. We're going to come rob your house. Uh, they don't say to you, you know, uh, we're on our way to come rob your house. Uh, a thief is not a scheduled event, but comes on purpose unexpectedly. It comes on purpose unexpectedly, and there's this idea of shock uh, at a successful burglary that you go, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting it. Um, what's interesting about this, we expect it, but we don't expect it, right? Uh, the coming of the Lord, the, His beginning of His events, the day of the Lord, uh, is one that is a scheduled event, but we don't know the time, and it uh, catches us off guard. As you look at this, it says this. Verse 3, while people are saying peace and security, times are good, times are good. Uh, it's interesting, as I look at those uh, uh, two words, peace and safety, or peace and security, uh, th th this idea, this is what we seek, right? This is what we seek. This is the thing that we are giving ourselves to. And, and it seems like all our world is saying, if we can just attain a place, a time, a situation, a community of peace and safety, everything will be good and I can enjoy life. This very time and culture that we're seeking is what they will be saying as the Lord returns. There's peace and safety and then it says this, then sudden destruction will come upon them. Sudden destruction. Um, it goes from the idea of all is good to destruction. To destruction. Intense, imminent, unexpected, but expected pain. He now connects not to just a thief, but the idea of the sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. It's always danger when the pastor starts talking about labor pains, especially when we have some pregnant ladies uh, ready to uh, give birth in the next weeks. Uh, uh, we look at this, and, and what, what's always interesting is I, I hear these conversations over and over again. I've heard them for years, and they happen at Bear Valley Church. When are you due? When are you due? 
Uh, and then when it gets closer, how are you doing? You know, it, and and I, I know I always think it would be great if uh, uh, someone went into labor during the service. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be great. I got to go. Now is the time. And they stand up in the middle of my sermon and they walk out and the husband looks frantic and they hop in the car and head. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be great. Sorry. I told you it was bad when the pastor starts talking about pregnant ladies. Um, it's interesting. Uh, pregnancy is one of those things where uh, in the beginning, uh, doesn't seem like much. You know, the woman feels different changes happening to her and uh, different things that are going on, but it doesn't really show. And then as time goes on, it does show. And, and, and you always know this one thing, and it's very important to get that for those in pregnancy, uh, as a day passes, you know this. You're one day closer, and it cannot, it cannot be uh, reversed. It's not something where you can get out of it, right? That baby is going to come, and it's coming a day closer uh, as we pass the days. And I want to tell you, that's the picture that the Lord gives us of His return. And, and you say, well, I, I, don't, I don't think it's coming. I want to tell you, I don't know if it's coming or not in the sense of when, but I know this, we're one day closer. We're one day closer to this time. It's imminent. It's going to happen. On December 26, 2004, various places, uh, Indonesia and Thailand. Uh, it was the day after Christmas, and many Europeans had come to the beautiful beaches to uh, get away uh, from win- in wintertime in Europe. They were celebrating, some with their families, and undoubtedly they were at these beautiful resorts, uh, sitting under the umbrellas and uh, sipping on mimosas and various other things and enjoying their time. Earthquake happened, uh, and a tsunami came to that area uh, that some have suggested 90-foot waves hit the beaches. And the water uh, rushed in, flooded through up to a mile inland, and many lost their lives. You think about that picture, and I, I remember reading about it in those days and just going, how fascinating that is, that people would go from that celebrating, that enjoying, that relaxing, uh, to death in an instant. And in a dramatic fashion of this, these huge waves coming and uh, the tragedies that would follow. This is the picture of the day of the Lord. Like a thief, like destruction that would come on, like labor pains, unexpected but expected on a pregnant woman. And the last line there in verse 3, it says, And they will not escape. They will not escape. It's interesting. Uh, in, in our day today, any kind of pain, uh, we feel like there's a way to escape. Uh, when we have a, a pain in our body or something wrong with us, we go to the doctor. And we, most of the time we don't say this, but we, we say this, make it go away. <laughs> make it go away. And the doctors a lot of times look at us and they kind of say, well, this, this, and this. No, I, I don't care about all that. Make it go away. I don't like pain. Make it go away. And as we look at this passage, we know this. The day of the Lord, this destruction that will come, uh, it is not something that you can get away from. Verse 4, 
uh, speaks really of both sides, but I want to focus eventually on the, the side of the believers, ready and waiting, ready and waiting. Verse 4 says this, but, but you are not in darkness, brothers. And re- remember, this is written to those new believers, right? Those new believers in this new church in Thessalonica, young. And, and so he's, he's writing to them and he's saying, destruction will come. The justice of the Lord will come. But now he turns and he says, uh, really, but not you. Uh, you're not in darkness, Verse 5, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not uh, of the night or of darkness. And I just want to say it this way. Uh, Paul is using a bunch of terms here that speak of one side or the other. Uh, let me say them to you. He, he really, uh, for those who don't know Christ, they're lost in darkness. They're of the night. They're sleeping and drunk. Okay? But for believers, those who have trusted, they are of the light, of the day. They are awake. They are sober. You look at verse 6, it says this, So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Uh, He turns the corner, and if I could say it this way, in light of the fact that the Lord will return in this way, this day of the Lord will come, He's giving us, what we should be doing. And, and for us here today, this is what we should be doing. If you've trusted in the Lord Jesus, your life priorities, the things that you care about, the things that you fill your day with, should be different. Why? Because of what the Lord's revealed to you about His plan, how He works out His history. As we look at this, uh, we'll go on, and, and this picture, verse 6, He said, but let us keep awake and be sober for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. And you say, well, I know someone who gets drunk during the day. That's even worse, right? Okay. typically it's at night. Typically it's at night. Uh, I describe the nightclubs, you know, Uh, nightclubs do not have bright lights that uh, lets you see who everyone is. Most of the time they're either flashing or, or somehow, you know, there's corners and why. Because it's the idea of let's not, let, let's not bother with who we are or what we're doing. Let, let's just do whatever we want, right? Um, this is the picture. He wants to give us uh, some, some thoughts on how we are to live. And I, I, I want to say it this way. A watchful sobriety. Watchful sobriety. Um, the, the picture here is that it's almost like on duty, on duty. It, it's the idea of uh, having your gun in your hand, walking back and forth, watching out for that which is about to happen, protecting, being thoughtful, not checking out. I, I want to tell you this, this picture of being watchful for you parents Right now, now is your time especially, right? Because it's not just about you. It's not just watching out of your own, for your own soul. Do that. That's part of what it's talking about here. But it's this idea of the importance of the day, of knowing what's coming, being watchful and sober. And th- this idea of being sober, um, uh, it's, 
it's not talking about drinking alcohol. He doesn't, this isn't talking about drinking alcohol, but it could be. <laughs> I want to tell you, if you're living your life in days trying to forget what's going on in your mind, I want to tell you that uh, some of us, we struggle with this whole idea. We say, oh, you know, I just need a glass of wine. I just need a glass of wine. I want to, I want to warn you, if you need a glass of wine, something's wrong. Something's wrong. You have a glass of wine. That, that, that's different than needing a glass of wine, right? Uh, if you're drunk, if you're drunk, that, that's a bad idea for a believer. Why? Because it, it, you're losing your senses. You, you're not alert. What are you not alert for? All kinds of things. And I want to tell you, this is not the picture for the believer, for the one who walks with God. He calls us to watchful sobriety. It's this idea that you're carefully keeping your senses alert because of the importance of the day that is coming. You, you, you say, well, it doesn't seem like it's coming. That, that's the point, right? Peace and safety, peace and, peace and security, everything's fine. And what will happen? It doesn't matter. The, the, you know, the cycles of history, it just keeps going like this. That's just what happened. I want to tell you, that will not happen like that. There will be a point in time where everything will change. And for us, being mindful of that, that we would be watchful and sober. Verse 8, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober. And this, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet of hope of salvation. In the midst of calling us to this mental alertness, this spiritual alertness that says, I'm going to be watchful for what's going on in my life and in my world. The second thing he tells us is to really get ready for battle. Put on the armor. Uh, this might remind you of Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul had shared this with another church. And uh, he had talked about this idea of being ready. And, and I want to tell you that um, it's about protecting yourself as you go out in the battle. Uh, it's interesting. We have different uniforms and things that we do. But when we get home... We take those things off. Uh, most uh, peace officers that I know that wear a bulletproof vest um, don't wear it around the house. Unless, anyways. Um, but, uh, you, you know, they, they get this idea that when I go out to war, when I go out to the danger, I'll put that on. But when I come home, I'll just relax. And, and, and the picture here is this that we put this on because we are in a spiritual battle. We put this on. The first piece, he says, is the breastplate, and he connects it with faith and love. Faith and love. This idea that your faith in God, your trust in Him, will be that which protects you. That which protects you. Um, there's a lot of reasons for you to go to church. And if this isn't your church, go to some other church that's better than this one, okay? Um, I want to tell you, the reason for you to be here is that you would be concerned about building your faith. One of the reasons, right? That you would grow, that you'd be reminded. Because over time, you know what happens? Uh, we slip. We 
wander away. We drift away. And you know what we do? We say, ah, I put my trust in this. We wouldn't say it. I, I trust in my wallet. I trust in my house. I trust in my family. Uh, he says, no, no, no. That you would bolster your faith, that you would put it on realizing that your faith will protect you. Uh, why is it important for you to, to grow in the Lord? That your faith would protect you in the midst of the war of this life. There's going to be many battles, many battles, health battles, attacks on your family, uh, doubts that you have, seasons of maybe feeling low and depressed. And, and, and what will protect you during those times? Your faith in God. That you trust in Him when it doesn't make sense. He says faith and love. It's interesting that uh, he connects these two. In other places, Paul connects them as well. But this idea of love and that love, uh, I think how this goes is that God has loved us, even as 1 John tells us, God has loved us that we might love one another. God has called us to be people of love. Having uh, experienced God's love, now we love one another. And this is the life, faith and love, that is protected, that is protected, not exposed in the midst of the war. The other piece of armor that he talks about is the helmet, the helmet. Now, uh, when you have an enemy, you have an enemy and you're at war, face to face, uh, you know, to get hit in the shoulder is one thing, right? Take a bullet in the shoulder is one thing. Or even in the leg, even in the leg, to not be able to walk. Or, or even uh, an organ from, you know, around here. But what about your head? Can't live without it. You cannot live without it. It's uh, the vitalist. And, and it's the easiest target, by the way, as well. And he, so he says that the helmet... Uh, and what does he connect this helmet with? You look down in God's word, the, the hope of salvation, our salvation. Your salvation going over and over again. Really, the gospel connected with your life brings about salvation. That Jesus died and, and rose again for you. And in your connection and your believing in that message, you have salvation. It's critical. It's critical. It's the helmet that will protect you. It, it will be the thing. Why? Because the idea that you've forgotten or that you wonder about your salvation, you can't move on from there. And it's a death blow to you. And so he, he brings about this picture, the helmet of salvation. How to live knowing that the day of the Lord is coming. How to live knowing that that uh, that that day is coming. I think about um, different places in the world where they're always on alert. They're always in danger. I think of Guam now, right? It's been threatened. I, I know people who have been to the DMZ and between North and South Korea, and they, they've talked about this. And in the best of times in our last year, they're still pointing guns at one another, and every once in a while they shoot. This is a dangerous place, and so th there's this idea that it could happen at any moment, right? Knowing that, uh, knowing that, how should we live? 
we should live watchful, sober lives. Uh, ready with the breastplate, ready with the helmet of salvation. Because we are the target of the enemy. Target of the enemy. Uh, parents, you are not just the target of the enemy. Your sons and daughters are as well. And so for them, it's also critical that they would know. As we look at this, uh, we look at this passage, he shares with us this, these intense things. And then in verse 9, he says this, For God has not destined us for wrath. And for us that know Jesus, when you hear the word wrath, and you look at it in the scripture, that there's a sense of relief and I just missed it. I just missed it. I was an object of his wrath. Now I'm an object. I'm his child. I'm an object of his grace. I, I have an inheritance. I'm an heir because of what Jesus has done for me. We are not objects of his wrath. Why? Uh, because we are ones who obtain of salvation. Salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that wrath salvation, know this, that you are one of two places here this morning, that you are either an object of his wrath or you are saved by Jesus Christ. That's all, you, that's, that's all the people that we have here this morning. In verse 10 it says this, Who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Isn't that great? Once again, he connects with the same concept he looked at when uh, he was thinking about the return coming and bringing him home. And he says, we will be with him forever. And he says this, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter waking or sleeping. Why? We will be with him. We will be with him. We, we have a confident, secure position. I find it fascinating how this passage ties up because he did this in the previous passage as well. He said this, verse 11, and my last point, keep, keep going, it's totally worth it. Keep going. He says this, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Right? This idea of encouragement in the long, in the long hard road of this life, the wars that we fight. What does he say? Encourage one another. Encourage one another. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. We are not good at encouraging one another. We sit back. We hold our tongue. We say, oh, I I, I see people in need of encouragement. I don't want to really talk to them. I'm kind of shy. I'm kind of shy. You know, know, I don't don't want to, you see the young people around here, and you go, "I I don't really know them that well. Stop them. Talk to them. Encourage them. How, how do you encourage? Say, keep going. You're doing great. This it's, encourages me to see you here. This is the place to be. If you if you didn't grow up in the church, say, I wish I was here when you were here. I'm glad you're here. It's good to see you. What was your name again? <laughs> yeah, I talked to you last week. What was your name again? <laughs> it's okay. Encur- this is what we're supposed to be doing. Don't, don't hold back. Don't hold back on encouragement. Let it go. Even, it, even if it comes out weird, and even if it comes out like, this is what we're to be doing. And, and 
as uh, Paul looked at this church and he knew what they needed, he, he knew that in light of the Lord's return, that they needed to be encouraged to keep going. Keep going. Because it's totally worth it. To encourage one another and to build one another up. Uh, you don't need to humble people here, okay? Think about that right now. Some of you think that it's your job to humble people, to trim them down to size. Don't do it. Don't do it. it, it if you find yourself wanting to complain about others, think, you know what? That's really not my job. In light of eternity, in light of the Lord's return, He doesn't want me to chop people down to size. What does He want me to do? Encourage them and build them up. Just as they're doing. Just as they're doing. If you've been doing this now, I want to tell you, continue, and in more so. Even as the book of Hebrews chapter 10 uh, tells the, right, the readers there, he says this, he, he, he says, and all the more, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is this ever-increasing idea. Okay, so I got three points of encouragement this morning. And some of you are looking at this passage and going, the day of the Lord, where, where is the encouragement here? I want to tell you it's there. It's, it's, very, it's simple to get to, too. First one is this, God is working out His plan. God is working out His plan. As you uh, see chaos in your own life and in our world today, you go, oh no, what's going on? I want to tell you what's going on. God is working out His plan. And as he looks at his schedule, his timeline, his calendar, his watch, okay, he will work it out in perfection to his own plan. And you can trust him. God is working out his plan. Secondly, I've got encouragement even for the unbeliever here this morning. Encouragement for you, okay? This is great stuff. You can escape. You can escape. If you haven't trusted in Christ and you hear and you you hear about the coming day of the Lord, you hear about his wrath and his anger and you go, oh, no, I, I don't know. I want to tell you the encouragement to you is he hasn't returned yet and you can escape. You can escape your darkness. You can escape this nighttime like living. You don't have to sleep and to try to chase away this idea that that life is meaningless and I need to find something out there. I want to tell you, you can become ones of the light, ones of the day, awake, and the sober ones, waiting for the return of the Lord. And lastly, encouragement for those of you who've trusted in Christ. There's confidence. There's confidence. Confidence in what? Confidence that whether you're awake or asleep, guess what? You'll always be with Him. You'll always be with Him. That's what the Lord says to us this morning. Confidence. You have a confidence knowing that whatever happens in the days to come, if the day of the Lord is tomorrow, today, or whether it's in years from now, it's okay. Why? Because we will always be with Him. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank You for this time. Thank You for Your Word. God, I ask that You would continue Your work in hearts now as Your Word is finding its place and its home in people's hearts and lives now lord i pray that if there are some here who don't know you that uh they would fear the end uh not because uh we're about scaring people but because it, it's reality uh, i pray that you'd prompt their hearts and show them your own kindness this morning 
and that you would draw them to yourselves in repentance, yourself in repentance. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us and not leaving us in the dark. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, you